Welcome to episode 40 of the Rapid Change Matters podcast, a conversation with hypnotist, magician and pickpocket James Brown. My name's Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm chatting with top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I've got big news. Rapid Changeworks is now running live training events, and you can check out the latest events coming up by visiting rapidchange.works, where you can also download a free, quick-to-read PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, along with all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Hypnotizing hypnotists can be tricky. And today's guest is exactly that. For over 20 years, he's been perfecting his craft as a magician, pickpocket and hypnotist. And whilst he doesn't bill himself as a therapeutic agent of change, his contribution to the world of hypnosis means that many hypnotherapists and change workers are having to update their thinking about what's possible when they see what today's guest is capable of. His passion for going for it, daring to try, combined with his questioning of previously hallowed hypnotic hypotheses, is an attitude that I hope many of you begin to explore and take away from today's conversation. Welcome to the podcast, James Brown. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, we're we're looking forward to this, actually. No pressure, no pressure. Um, Well, listen, it really is uh, absolutely great to have you. I'm wondering if we can jump straight in and you could tell us a little bit about um, really what you do, and more importantly, how you got started. What attracted you to getting into this uh, area of work? Oh, wow. Okay, so um, I, I will try and give you the, the sort of the brief the brief history of me because uh, uh, it's quite – it's kind of weird and lengthy. Um, uh, I, I, I left school at uh, 16 with uh, a handful of uh, GCSEs, uh, and, and I mean a, a handful – um, I, I hadn't really enjoyed formal education, and I've and I've never really enjoyed it since either. To be honest, uh, uh, I went into nursing initially. I sort of followed in my mother's uh, footsteps uh, into the caring profession, uh, where it's, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but as time went on, I also found that had, was becoming more and more um, needlessly academically led. Uh, I, I, I sort of caveat that sentence with. Clearly, um, good education, good learning is is essential for life. But I think that the balance had begun to swung into it being entirely academic, and it lost its its care, its love uh, elements, which I think are uh, arguably more important in such a profession hmm. to maintain. Um, Along the same time, I'd started to get interested in magic. Um, I'd seen David Blaine's first TV special. This is 20-odd years ago now. 
and I was fascinated in the why it worked on people, not the not the how. It, you know, I didn't really care how he was doing the magic as as, as much as why did it have the effect that it did on uh, seemingly intelligent people. Um, so magic was the beginning point for me. Uh, the more I looked into magic, I, I was very interested in the psychology of the whole thing, and particularly in the in the way that language affects people's moods and behaviours. Uh, so it, it sort of uh, it was a very easy stepping stone for me to go from from looking and studying magic and psychology, therefore, to uh, hypnosis and to pickpocketing. Uh, one of the very odd things that. From from outside of you know the knowledge base, it might seem very hard to understand, but the, the there are absolute parallels between um, hypnotism and pickpocketing and magic. Um, the, the sort of the same core skills, if you like, are uh, are involved in all three disciplines. Uh, so because I already had a, a real solid grounding as a performer uh, in magic, it was actually very easy for me to transition into both pickpocketing and hypnosis. Uh, so nowadays I perform all of the above. Uh, some of it is in the context of doing shows, doing private performances, uh, but I also do a lot of teaching and training. Uh, I consult for TV and film, um, pretty much anything I can get my, uh, get my fingers into. And you know, I like experience. I think that's my, that's my big passion. In, is is not academic education but experience education uh you know people often ask me you know what qualifications do you have say as a hypnotist and the answer is none at all uh, but i learned it all by doing it by watching by partaking in by trial and error um so i ended up coming to the same conclusions just from a different direction i i, I think a that's a, fascinating to hear um, how open and honest you are about that, um, and also on the converse, I've heard a lot of people who are have you know more certificates on their wall than you know many of us have had hot dinners, but yet you ask them to demonstrate something and they come out in a cold sweat and can't. Yeah, well, one of my first experiences of that was, uh, and I've told this story before, so uh, I, I I went to one of these breakfast style networking clubs meeting things mm. um quite a few years ago and you do you, you do your little one minute introduction and tell everybody about yourself and one of the other guys around the table was a hypnotherapist um and he you know oh by the way because people know that i met adam eason at one of these networking things it wasn't adam and you'll understand by the story itself that it wouldn't have been adam but there we go uh this this unnamed nondescript hypnotherapist uh, did his bit we all did our bits and then a bit of q a at the end and some sort of slightly gruff scottish guy and i can't do the accent so i won't even try mm -hmm. shouted across the room can you stop me smoking and it was there was quite an aggressive challenge to the to the to the question it was more of a statement of of you know aggression than it was a question uh, <laughs> And this hypnotherapist response was really interesting because he he sat there and went, oh, um, uh, well, uh, if you were, uh, uh, if you if you give me a call and uh, we'll have a consultation, uh, um, um, you know, uh, 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 and I thought the answer was yes. There was only one answer to that question: can can you stop me from smoking? Yes, I can. 
Now, that doesn't mean that you, that it will happen, of course, because, you know, th there are caveats to that, i.e., do you really want to, blah, 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 blah. But, but in that context, his, his lack of uh, confidence in himself in the moment had uh, a, a very detrimental effect, not just for the Scottish guy who'd asked the question, but for everybody else. You know, everybody else in the room was sitting there thinking, oh, he probably isn't very good, is he? If, on the other hand, he just, not in an, uh, an arrogant way, but just in a calm, confident way, said, yeah, no problem. So would you suggest that, and without getting too far into the depths of how we would define exactly the term hypnosis, but you could argue that uh, at that moment, that, that person you're talking about had hypnotized all the other guests at this event into thinking that he was not a great hypnotist yeah well suggestion my my, my view as you know, without getting into too much depth um my view is that everything is or can be suggestion and mm. suggestion is incredibly powerful uh, because it's pretty much how we learn everything that we ever learn and ever know um and in the same way that uh a stage hypnotist sending somebody off the stage who hasn't responded well to whatever games they've played saying to that person and to the audience oh well you know there are some people that can't be hypnotized or you know you're one of those people that can't be hypnotized has a profoundly negative effect and sends somebody away with a deeper belief of oh this doesn't work on me mm. which they will do their best to confirm with every future event that they have a similar experience with uh, and this is precisely what this guy's doing here. He's he's created this belief in the room via his attitude, which is a suggestion of, I'm a little bit shite. Don't hire me. Yeah. Uh, which I think is a very dangerous thing to do. Whereas, you know, my view has always been, I mean, even before I knew anything about hypnosis, you know, as a working magician doing magic in restaurants and bars, people would say, oh, you know, I bet you're a, a great pickpocket. And I would say, yeah, I am. Even though I had no idea how to do it at the time. Um, because I thought, well, actually, the belief is quite important. So let's at least foster that. And at some point, I'll back it up with some skill. But that can wait. Um, uh, and equally, people would say, you know, I, you know, don't look into my eyes. You know, are you going to try and hypnotize me? And I would always answer with something like, probably. You know? But... The point was that I already understood that your belief is more important than anything else. Um, I, I made a comment, and I'm digressing as I always do in my weird head, um, I made a comment at the UK hypnosis conference when asked about trance, and you know, because I'd publicly made it clear that I don't actually believe in trance. Uh, but what I said was this, I don't believe in trance, but I absolutely believe in your belief in trance. Hmm. And that's kind of my position on all of this. I recognize how, how important belief is, and that's the thing I'm interested in playing with. If I do a magic trick, you know, sorry, sorry listeners, magic isn't real, it doesn't exist. <gasps> but create the illusion that it does, and therefore manipulate your belief to that end. Yeah? Well, um, so belief is the important factor. 
I'm, I'm pleased I'm, you brought up the UK hypnosis convention because, it, it, in fact, it was um, at, at the most recent UK hypnosis convention that we met. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you were kind enough, uh, although I couldn't see it live, to send me a link so that I could look at uh, and watch the lecture and the seminar that you did. Um, and I think it was fascinating because we talked about it. And whereas a lot of uh, presenters might find and pre-qualify people to bring up the demos uh, based on in inverted commas, who might be good hypnotees and go deeply and respond well. Um, my understanding is is that you, you know, one of the things I loved about this was that you went out of your way to find someone who wouldn't class themselves as a good hypnotic subject. Yeah, um, I find it a very for, for me. For me, the journey is the is the interesting thing. It's the destination isn't as important to me as the as the journey. The the theatrical experience of getting where we're going, uh, um, to me, is the interesting bit. Um, my issue with with uh, hypno monkeys uh, is that there is no journey to be had. There is no challenge at all, and any demo that you now do on um, your hypno monkey is a utter waste of everybody's time and effort, as I have proven over and over again. Um, and it's uh, and I, I do it. I, well, I didn't do it at the UKHC because the format wasn't quite set up for that. But I've done it at other events where um, to prove a point of, you know, you get some some hypnotist gets up and says, I'd like I'd like to now demonstrate this amazing technique that I've come up with for rapid induction. And it's the best rapid induction technique ever invented. And oh, my goodness me. And, you know, Sue is going to help me with this. And he goes through the technique and Sue drops like a stone and the crowd roars its applause. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk up and I'm going to say nothing other than write the word sleep on a piece of paper, roll it into a ball and throw it at her face. And guess what happens? She falls like a stone. And my point is, I'm sorry, but you can't say that your technique is brilliant when you use it on somebody who you can throw a piece of paper at and put her into, inadverted <laughs> commas, this trance-like state. I, I just find it, you know, if you've ever gone out with a bunch of hypnotists um, and done any street hypnosis, or even just at conventions, actually, what happens is they find a good subject either by chance or or because they already know this person's a great hypnotist. And then, then there was this embarrassing line of hypnotists forming behind, all wanting to have a go, like some hideous hypnotic gangbang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but I, I just, yeah, I just find the whole thing kind of weird and odd and embarrassing. And and it also, to me, it continues to feed into one of the big myths in hypnosis, which is that only some people can experience hypnosis uh, in, in, in any way. That there are, you know, there is a, um, uh, a figure, you know, you're one in five who are brilliant hypnotic subjects and, that, and therefore there's one in five who, who can't be hypnotized and then there's a sliding scale in between. And I just think, where is the empirical evidence for this? Um, and to me, it simply sounds more like a convenient excuse created by somebody who failed in public and, and just needed a way out, uh, needed an excuse. 
um, or, or just simply couldn't handle uh, how to you know how to deal with something not going ideal uh, you know ideally right. And I've you know coming from magic and pickpocketing, the, the reality is I I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. It doesn't it doesn't phase me at all. I'm 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 not worried about it it not working because I know that it not working doesn't actually have to reflect on me badly or even on them badly. Because um, I was going to ask you, what what advice do you have for people who are you know in these situations and they're kind of shying away from the demonstration? Heaven forbid, in case they fail. Well, we're back to this idea that everything is suggestion, and my my whole standpoint with with um, with this interaction of hypnosis is that everything that I do is a suggestion. Um, my tone of voice, my physicality, uh, my expression, my 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 very manner, my attitude, my being, uh, all of this is read in some way by individual and people in the room. Um, who all form again this environment uh, which has an effect on all of us now if i'm thinking i might fail then there's a very large chance that that fear that i have within me will manifest in some way in my expression in my eyes in my body language you know my tone of voice whatever Um, and it has a negative effect um, and I've seen this so many times and I've experienced it so many times yet. And I kind of, as I'm saying this, I also need to quickly flip the other side of this and say, but this doesn't also mean that there is anything, uh, specifically magical about my tone of voice or my expression. Um, and, and as, as you saw from, from watching the video, one of the things I, I, I went out of my way to do at the, uh, the UKHC was to was to break as many of the um, sort of rules, if you like, mm-hmm. of how a hypnotist should act, speak, etc., uh, to prove that they're not they're, they're not as necessary as we might think. But you know, words are powerful, language is powerful, communication is powerful, and it's all about suggesting the right thing. But it, it's more about. It, I think it's more about the, 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 the attitude rather than the specific choice of words. You know, I think we can get really tied up on correct hypnotic language. Yeah, just to jump in there, James, the, one, there's a, a thing, and I think I told you when we first spoke, there was something you did during that presentation that I've been literally giggling about for months since I saw it. Um, and you got this guy up and it seemed like he wasn't responding quite in the way that, you know, uh, you you would hope initially uh, for a fantastic, uh, uh, what's the word, infallible demonstration of hypnosis. And he said at some point, oh, I'm not sure, not sure I can do that. And instead of you having some very, very elaborate verbal jousting of words and manipulation, you just kind of looked at him and went, you can. (laughs) At which point I just giggled because it was just... Like, you know, you could see other other people around in the audience going, "What? You can just say that? Is, yeah. is that it? I mean, that's nothing." Yeah, and again, I think that without the context of people seeing that demonstration, it's probably slightly hard to. Mm. Uh, but I think the point is that uh, that 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 choice of words was was very specific for him in that moment as well, because his comment about 
I don't think I can do this or, or, or worse to that effect um, were very to me in that moment was much more about him saying I doubt myself I doubt my ability to do it so my slightly camp um, elf like uh, <laughs> uh, you know sort of just looking at him with a you know, head on one side, sort of looking into his eyes and going, you can, <laughs> you know, yeah, you can, of course you can. I, I think it was great because you could see the internal dialogue of him responding to that with, oh, oh, I can. Oh, good. Thank you. Sort of, I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in, uh, in the idea that people often need permission for things. Mm. Um, um, people need to, People need to be accepted where they are right now. And, 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 you know, you don't have to agree with somebody, but you actually have to accept that this is my experience of the moment. But within that acceptance, you, you can then give people permission to step through a door to, to experience something. And often people just need that permission because what they've really got in their head is lots of uh, lies lots of lies about what what is and isn't possible what i can and can't do what people may or may not think uh in response to to this thing and sometimes people just need um the permission uh from uh, from an individual or or from the environment around them and then it's amazing what people will accept and do and experience uh when they're allowed to and Part of my job as a magician has always been about that, that I'm saying to you, you can put all of the stuff that you think that you know, that you think you believe on one side and sort of take my hand and come with me on a frivolous journey of joy and experience and, and excitement. Um, and then at the end of that, if you want to, you can go back to your own life or you can kind of you know stay here or, or mix it up a bit uh come back whenever you like um you know my my, my sort of reason to be if you like and and, uh, and and the 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 mentality i have when i'm presenting when i'm performing and it's actually what allows me to do the demonstrations which some hypnotherapists have said would scare the hell out of them mm. i.e specifically picking somebody in a room that has said I'm not a good subject for hypnosis and and using them singularly for a demonstration. The reason I can do that is because I'm not thinking about the success and fail. I'm not thinking about, you know, uh, you know, oh, I, I, I need to achieve this and if I don't, I failed. My only goal is to create enjoyment and to create fun. And I realized many years ago as a magician that, me making a mistake, me getting something wrong, something not working, uh, could still create massive joy for my audience. And as long as I'm in that with them and not fighting against it, there's nothing to fear. Yeah. Mm. You know, if I'm, if my intention is, for example, if my intention is to steal your watch off you in front of the audience and for the audience to see, but for you not to. And if halfway through that, you go, hey, you're trying to steal my watch. Now, if I'm seeing this as a success fail, I've just failed and I have to accept all of the negative feelings and then I'm chasing my own tail and I'm trying to, you know, salvage dignity and all those other things. 
But if I looked at this as, um, as, an, as, as an experience to create joy and happiness for my audience, I know that this, this moment will make my audience laugh. And as long as I'm laughing with them and joining in with it, then it, it's all good. Um, so I can, I, can, I can enter the whole process fearlessly um, uh, in a very sort of carefree uh, way, knowing that th th there isn't a possible bad outcome to this. Mm -hmm. Not really. Um, I, I will always achieve what I set out to achieve either way around. Yep. It will it will still work, and I kind of think that's very much how I look at the hypnosis stuff. Um, I, and I'm also aware, same with being a magician or as a, as a like, like the pickpocketing analogy is a great one. Uh, just because you catch me stealing your watch uh, means nothing when I can use that moment as misdirection for nicking your tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the same way that when I'm working with somebody in a, in a hypnotic sense, um, if they are not immediately responsive to something, um, I recognize that the real reason why they're not responsive isn't because I'm crap uh, or they're not a good subject. It's actually because the focus was wrong. You were you simply were looking at the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time. Um, so. For me now, it's just about shifting your attention, uh, or as hypnotherapists would refer to it, reframing. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to. Um, Anthony Jackwin gave me a lovely um, uh, comment a number of years ago, and, and he, I spoke to him again at the UKHC, and he said that he still references me in his t in his training occasionally, mm. with the fact that. Um, uh, I, I'm resilient. I just keep going back. If I give a suggestion and it doesn't take, um, I just give it again. Um, you know, reframe it slightly, give it again, and I just keep going until, until you know, until it works basically, because I know it will. And all I know that all I really have to do is just find find the right frame for you. You know, move a few. You know, just change a few ingredients around. Uh, alter the the picture slightly and and go again and after a while it's a bit like me saying to that guy yeah you can i'm just giving you permission finding out what was in the way what why what was stopping you from experiencing this and just tweaking it until it it slots into place but having the patience to do it um my, my, my father was watching me work with somebody a few months ago and he said, and I thought, actually, this is quite a nice analogy. He said, it's a little bit like um, trying to uh, uh, untangle uh, some cotton that's, that's knotted up. Mm -hmm. uh, you, have to be, you have to be slow and deliberate and very patient and very relaxed to undo uh, knots in cotton. He says, the more, the, more you, the more you are frantic, the more you try to do it, the more you rush at it, the more desperate you become, the, the, the more likely it will be to just fall apart and you know, you, you'll, you'll get angry and it won't work. Yeah. And he says, watching you was like watching somebody very meticulously uh, unpick uh, a ball of cotton. Mm. Um, there was no sense of panic. There was no sense of rush. There was no sense of, you know, oh, shit, <laughs> it's all gone wrong. Um, it's kind and of boring, be... tedious to just observe. And... 
took a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe we won't stretch. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm gonna cut that. I'm gonna cut out that comment. But I just threw it in because I couldn't resist it. Oh no! Please don't cut that out. I, I, yeah, I, I love those <laughs> moments of levity. Um, but you know, here we go. That's. I think that is the point, though. That if if I could give uh, those listeners, um, you know, all all three of them, uh, a piece of advice, it would be um, to to sort of have that mentality that it's okay. You know, it's fine. Just, just, just keep that rhythm going. You know, be nice and steady. You know, just, just keep picking away um, until until it works. But, but remember that that everything that you do is a suggestion. And the moment you start to tense up because you you've got fear um, in you about what's happening, the audience or the individual will pick up on that, and it will form. Um, its own suggestions and they will not work in your favor well first of all i appreciate you know you over inflating my uh, my listening numbers uh, <laughs> as well <laughs> well i've decided to tune in this week as well oh uh, i see <laughs> hey how, how kind of you how kind of you um yeah I, I, how in, so one of the things that i i thought was interesting because so i was i was recently interviewed uh, on uh, a podcast by jason lynette his work smart hypnosis podcast uh and he picked up on the fact that i also have a background in magic and we were talking about mm-hmm. how important this idea of performing or hypnotherapy was by looking at it as a performance whether that that was a a valid thing and i my view is, is that it's all a performance but i know that there are some hypnotherapists out there who really perhaps feel uncomfortable with identifying themselves as a performer that they see it in that sense so i'm just wondering where where you because it, it certainly sounds like you would be in agreement with that kind of thrust oh yeah yeah uh, entirely perform 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 i think that life is a performance and there are um, skills that can be learnt from observing other performers in other fields, um, and learning how to how to present yourself better, how to engage with people um, better and stronger. Uh, it's interesting the idea of when I have met hypnotherapists who who sort of shy away from the notion of performance. I do think that there is this kind of fear that they have of being lumped in with the um the opposite end of the spectrum as they see it which is the the sort of the stage comedy stage hypnotist mm. uh, the kind of hypnotist that has a summer season in benedorm uh, or or in some seedy uh, back uh, back alley uh, club in vegas uh and I think there is this there is this abject fear of being lumped together with with that group of people, and I kind of get it because, um, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, because we have this sort of umbrella word that that everything gets gets lumped in, and people can't, can't don't understand this this big world. I mean, like, give you an, another example. Uh, uh, Islam or Christianity or religion in general. So depending on where in the world you currently live and what your experience of it has been from a media point of view, for example, if somebody says um, Islam or, mm. you know, or being a Muslim, uh, the, uh, you know, they're all put under, sadly, the one banner of 
uh, oh, they're all mass murdering fools um, who want to take over the planet. You know, this is all terrorism. Uh, and and actually, you know, there are an absolutely delightful uh, Muslim family that live about four doors away from me. And uh, we, we, you know, we say hello to one another on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, I borrowed his lawnmower kind of thing, uh, you know, and they're great and they're fantastic. And I've lived, you know, a few years ago, my wife and I lived next to a Hindu couple. Um, and, and you can't lump everybody together is the point I'm making. You know, Christianity has the same. Generally speaking, if you see a Christian on the television uh, in any kind of drama, um, you know, like a priest or something, uh, he will either be so pathetically wet he's just embarrassing you know he's got no strength to even lift his arms up um and flops around on on camera being sort of vaguely camp and and you know pointless or uh he'll be a pedophile hmm. uh, uh or he'll be so you know he'll be a right wing such a right-wing character that you know he thinks that all gays should be strung up by the testicles and actually, it's a shame because this isn't a, an av- this isn't a good reflection of any of these people, not really. Uh, and I think hypnosis has exactly the same set of issues. That there are a number of hypnotists within our profession who have given all of us uh, a bad name over a period of time, or at least they've dirtied, they've sullied the word hypnosis. Uh, as a performer, I rarely refer to myself as a hypnotist in performance. Uh, when I do my, my reality bending demonstrations on stage as part of my show, um, there is no, I, I don't introduce it as hypnosis. I don't do a pre-talk about hypnosis. It begins with somebody joining me on stage and I ask them to imagine something and off we go. And in fact, during the performance, I regularly say, you're not hypnotized, are you? No, good. Yeah, because I don't want as soon as the audience goes, oh, this is hypnosis, then they bring with them, sadly, a massive amount of baggage. Mm. And I think also that hypnotherapists suffer in the opposite direction, that most people still see or rather a lot of people still see see hypnotherapy as wet and wishy washy and somewhere just above um, the belief in the um, resonant frequency of crystals um, uh, or the alignment of the stars. It, it, it's, all, it's all within that sort of, oh, really, category for too many people. And I think that we all need to be aware of this and, A, stop running away from it because actually you give it credence the more you the more you run away from it and and i realize i'm you know i need to preach to myself on this just as much but we need to stand you know stand up for what we do um rather than constantly justify what we do we need to just be you know good at what we do and get on with it uh uh, but we need to we need to we need to be aware that Together, we need to shift the the perspective that everybody has around us on these on this subject, on on what hypnotherapy is, on what hypnosis is, um, so that you know, and we need to normalise it. Quite frankly, I think part of the problem is that both fields have, for far too long, 
shrouded this subject in an unnecessary level of mystery. Yeah, you know the stage performer who still holds on to a mesmer-like mentality of a, you know a long dark cloak and a goatee beard, um, and this sort of huge, I you know this I'm controlling you. I'm this sort of Machiavellian puppet master. You're under my spell. All the way down to the opposite end of the scale in the hypnotherapy practice, uh, where it's again just the way it's the way that hypnotherapists speak and, and what they say. You just it, 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 it just it just feels very charlatanesque, unfortunately. And I think we need to normalise it more and more and make it something that. You know, my my ideal thing and what I set out to do with reality bending was uh, I wanted something that in one side of A4 you could explain hypnosis, hand it to your grandma, she could read it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's what I was after. And I think that's what we as a community need to do a bit more. We need to make sense of this in a rational, sensible way um, that just moves us a bit further away from, you know, the healing power of crystals. No offense to people who believe in the healing power of crystals, but you're nuts. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I said that loud, didn't I? <laughs> well, 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 well. Well, here's the thing. So, um, <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I point, but I tell you what was going on in my head as you, as you were saying that, which is, and again, this might be one of those moments where I'm going to, I'm going to offend now a bunch of people, but I, I think there's a lot of hypnotherapists or people that get into the world of hypnosis because they are attracted to the feeling of power they can wield and get from it, which means they have a mindset that does not support exposing the mystery and the myth. They actually have an invested interest as part of their character for adding to it, for creating and shrouding it in mystery. Do you think that's a fair comment? Yeah, sadly, I do. Um, it's, it's, it's actually what's interesting is I think generally speaking, although things are shifting a little bit, but you can still see that it's a quite a male-centric uh, occupation. I know hypnotherapy attracts a lot more females for the caring side of it. But when you go to conventions and events, uh, you can see quite an interesting distinction between the way that most of the females present hypnosis uh, and to how some of the men present it. And there are certain characters which, uh, even on this podcast, I wouldn't be vulgar enough to actually name out loud, uh, but I can tell you off, off mic later, um, uh, that, um, that present hypnosis with, with this real sense of ego, with the look at me, I'm in control. I'm making you do things, um, you know, and I have this 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 power over you as a uh, as a subject. And I kind of, I, I don't, I, you know, it's not my my cup of tea uh, at all uh, to 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 have that uh, unless it's in such a, a lovely, fun, tongue in cheek. So I mean, I I have this little part of of my my presentation, my show, where. Um, I'm, I'm being very sort of impish in, in nature. I'm, I'm not the dark Lord controlling your mind. I'm sort of this fun, frivolous little imp character, almost, um, sort of, you know, low key without, without the, the nasty. Mm. Um, 
and I'm saying I'm being very honest about what's going on. You know, you you are absolutely imagining this. You could stop imagining it at any time that you like, but for some reason, right now, you just can't do anything about it. And there is this sort of this fun little thing that's going on, and the person who's who's experiencing whatever it is that I'm doing with them at the time, that they're like, "This is insane." I, I've just been told what's going on and how it's working. I've just been given the bloody key to get out of it if I want, but I can't. Mm-hmm. But I know I can. And ah, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, and I do this lovely thing where I sort of mime this idea of the puppet. Yeah. You know, um, it's like a puppet sort of thing. Mm. And, uh, and, and I think that's, to, to me, that's fine because. It's fun. It's clearly about entertainment. It's clearly about the joy of this moment. But at the end of it, everything is, it has to, to me, everything has to be about them understanding that actually the real star of all of this is you and your imagination. And the message, the take home message to everybody is do you get it now? Do you get how powerful your belief is? Because this is what's really going on here, whether in in a positive or a negative way, it's all about belief, and it comes from you. Yes, you're in, in you know you're influenced by the world around you. Of course you are, but ultimately it's what's going on in your head, and and your ability to to literally create the reality around you that you experience. Uh, and to me, that's the empowering message that I want to give, and. What's nice is when I come at, come away from these things, the the, the sort of you know, what I would call the after show meeting, meet and greet in the lobby or at the stage door. I get people coming up to me, but and clearly you can see that they're all really happy to approach me. There is that tiny edge of holy crap, wow, what did we just witness? Mm. But there's there's no fear, there's no sense of you know. Uh, distrust yeah um I, I want my audience in its entirety to be thinking at the end of my show i wish you'd picked me next time i come and watch this i want to be the lucky one that gets chosen not thinking thank goodness he didn't pick me yeah um, so but uh, i don't know i think there is a big ego issue going on within hypnosis within well, just think the world in general, actually. Mm. Uh, and I think that that is more often than not born out of um, a lot of fear and a lack of acceptance. And, you know, people don't want to be vulnerable. People don't want to, you know, be seen to, to not be as good as they think they are or they want people to think they are. Um, again, we're back to this wider hypnotherapists and hypnotists in demonstrations only ever pick people who are great subjects. Uh, and some of it is absolutely down to um, I'm maybe I don't quite have the level of faith in my work that I want you to think I have. Yeah. You know, because what what you know, if I'm if I'm selling you this, this is the best product in the world. Um, how come? You know, how, how can I let you see me fail? And it, one of the things I'm really proud about the work that Danny, my business partner, and I have done is that we, within the coursework, um, we include uh, all of the 
inadverted commas, failures. It's not how we see it, of course, certainly yeah. not how I see it. But but all of the times that it didn't go as planned as much as we do the other. So we don't edit out the the, the, the difficult moments because I personally believe that you as a student will learn as much, if not more, from watching me struggle essentially watching me think on my feet watching me adapt to to a circumstance than you ever will simply watching the perfect edit um that we that we put together at the end um and i would encourage other trainers who may be listening to this stop cutting out your your difficult subjects your 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 failures if you like yeah yeah because it's unfair on your students uh, 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 to see you um, in this godlike status, because no offence to any of you, but none of you are gods. None of you are. Uh, you are as damaged and as flawed as the rest of us buggers. And 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 the sooner we can we can admit that to one another, um, uh, the sooner we can all progress and and, and learn and grow. And part of the problem is that we still do this hero worship. Mm-hmm. nonsense and we, we we i'm honestly i'm quite passionate about this we need to stop that because it's unhealthy unhealthy quite right and it's interesting hearing you talk about all this stuff and people are, are probably definitely hearing this this impish uh, questioning nature that you have and uh, dare i say it, it's semi like in, in, in my mind now you've become kind of like puck from a midsummer night's dream oh i like that um and uh, talking about that nature of character that you have and also the power of belief in terms of rapid change and change work. You you shared with me a story after the uh, at the UK Hypnosis Convention, which I thought, oh my word, I've I've got to I've got to bring up on the podcast because he's got to share it with the listeners. And it was just, it for me, it summed up everything uh, so beautifully. Um, and if I can remind you, it was uh, I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. the story. <coughs> yeah, uh, I'll know. let you tell it rather than I suggest it. But that would be uh, yeah a, a great moment for you to share. Yeah. Um. So before I tell the story, um just uh, the, the the purpose of this story is actually to uh to, to understand this power of belief and to realize um how effective it is um and how sometimes our uh, obsession with um, ritual and protocol um can actually get in the way of somebody else's change uh, rather than facilitate and enhance it so I'd done a, uh, a hypnosis show. It was a fairly traditional, this is going back a few years, and, and I was still a little bit in the, uh, uh, not in the belief about sleep and trance, but I was still sort of locked into that manner of presenting it. So I'd done a fairly traditional stage hypnosis presentation. Mm. Uh, lots of rapid inductions and fancy stuff uh and at the end of the whole thing um it's probably like a good hour after the show had finished and i was sat in the you know most of the audience had vanished and i was sat in the um the cafe in in the in the in the place and a relatively young lad came up to me and he, and he introduced himself and asked if he could sit down and talk to me and he said um, basically i've got a really odd fear and it was if memory serves it was the um 
the corrugated card um, that you get on coffee cups, and I can't think what what, what it's called, but it's a it's the texture basically mm. of the card. Uh, he had a, a, a absolute fear of uh, of those, um, and uh, I'd uh, so he'd said, you know, I'm terrified of these. It was some, maybe it was something else, but anyway, wh- whatever the fear was is an irrelevancy at this stage, uh, and. Uh, he'd said, you know, basically, can you help me? He'd seen the show and he's now saying, can you help me? And I think, well, I know that his expectation would have been, yes, here's my card, you know, contact the office, we'll put together an appointment at some point in the future. Uh, he was incredibly surprised when I simply said, yes, absolutely, shall we do it now? <laughs> he looked at me like, sorry, what, mm-hmm. now? I said, yeah, yeah, let's do it now. He said, well, um, how, how long will it take? I glanced up at the clock on the wall and I said, oh, about four minutes. What? <laughs> about, about, about four minutes, maybe maybe a little less. Really? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I then proceeded to do uh, a, an, a, an overly um, theatrical uh, <laughs> hypnotic induction. Um, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you what it was. It was just some utter nonsense I made up on the spot at the time. Uh, to uh, you know, to really give him this experience of of boom, um, and then I sat back and I enjoyed my coffee uh, for three and a half minutes. Um, you know, glanced at the paper, whatever, and then I woke him up again in a unnecessarily theatrical fashion. Uh, and as soon as he opened his eyes, I sort of smiled and nodded to him and said, "All done." and took a sip of my coffee and he sort of confused spluttered at me but 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 i didn't i didn't hear you say anything i went well of course you didn't you were deeply under uh, but it but it's all it's all there it's all done and he said well how how how, how will i know and i looked at him as if he was an absolute fool and said go and find me some cups and he went, oh, okay. And he got up and he wandered off and came back five minutes later with an armful of these things, scrunching them in his hands with a ridiculous beaming smile on his face and sort of, you know, professing to the world that he was cured. Um, huh. And off he went. And uh, I mean, and, and the truth is, just, just in case any hypnotherapist out there going, well, of course, his phobia came back 20 minutes later. It didn't, actually. I met him a number of years down the line and it, it was gone. It was gone for good. And this isn't the only time I've done something similar to this. I've done it maybe twice uh, more since then. Uh, once with a balloon phobia for somebody and once with something else. And I can't remember what the other thing was. It wasn't a phobia. It was um, uh, a memory, uh, a, 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 an event memory. Mm. Now, the point of this is actually more about understanding that uh, – you know how how it's the belief. My opinion is it's the belief that's the issue, not the event. So if you can use belief because it was powerful enough to create the the, the phobia, uh, why not just use belief to get rid of it? And I knew this kid had just watched my show. He'd come up with to me with an absolute sense of you know, holy crap! I've just seen what you can do. I totally believe. <laughs> So therefore, I'm able to affect real change by simply using that belief. You know, I, I sat back and enjoyed my coffee and then just told him he was cured. 
and that was enough for him. And this, and the, the the proof was was going and uh, picking up the cups. I gave him permission to overcome his utterly irrational fear that he'd created over a period of time for whatever reason. And I'm not even sure that the reason why he started it is is relevant or important anymore either. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm certainly not a great fan of delving into somebody's um, you know darkness. Uh, and dredging up terrible thoughts and memories and feelings because uh, I'm just not convinced that that's a, a kind or healthy thing to do. I mean, there's a massive difference between you've ignored and repressed something and we just need to get it out into the open because um, I think, you know, honesty, getting stuff out in the open is incredibly important and healthy. Uh, but once it is out in the open, well, then let's leave it, you know. If I, 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 I if I've encouraged you to bring your baggage here, uh, you know, why the hell would I send you home with it after? Yes, don't forget to bring your baggage back next week and we're going to have a good look. So I love that story and for what it means uh, and for what it demonstrates about belief. Um, some some other part of me, and I wonder whether, you know, one of one of my other two listeners... Uh, might be might be thinking this too is that isn't there a level of, of which if you I understand that in the, that context that you do that uh, that story it's to demonstrate the belief of how this stuff can work but if you're working therapeutically with someone is there an argument to suggest that that's kind of disempowering because they haven't really understood that it's their belief and their imagination that that's really been the the source of all of this yeah yeah I mean so here's the thing uh, if somebody came to me and had a real like so, for, for him, this was this was a uh, essentially a silly little thing that he just came up to a hypnotist after a show, yeah. and on a whim went, "Oh, can you can you do this for me?" And I went, "Yeah, sure." Bam, there you go. Click my fingers, it's done. Thank you very much. Have a nice life. Uh, and he didn't learn anything from it particularly. Uh, you know, there was no benefit deeper, but there was also nothing about it that was actually that much of an issue. It was just. Um, a silly little thing that he'd got into the habit of doing that he's now out of the habit of doing. Yeah. However, on a larger scale, I, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I'm a massive believer in wanting my audience to go away educated. And the real education is, uh, you know, this is you, this is how you work. This is how we all work. And let's stop, let's stop telling ourselves these lies. Yeah. Uh, yeah let's 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 move out of this fear-based um mentality uh and rules you know i you know i i have a big issue with rules and regulations because i think that more often than not rules and regulations simply are control things that create more and more fear you know uh, you're not actually allowed to say that on this podcast which bit any any of what you just said Oh, well, never mind. Oh, well, okay, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Twat. Uh, (laughs) Do you know what? I I won't say who again, um, but at the UKHC, I was having a conversation with somebody, and I said, and and this this to me typifies um, this thing that hypnotherapists who've learned NLP do, which occasionally is quite funny and, and almost charming and endearing and and on other times I just want to smack them around the face and go, Oh grow up you t- pit. Yeah. Um 
uh, and I'd said something like, I, I really don't like rules. And this person had looked across and leant, leant over sort of in that sort of slightly smug way and went, is that a rule? And I said, <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> you muppet. Wow. Um, no, on a serious level. But then I you do... forgave me and you agreed to come on yes, my podcast. And I agreed to come here anyway. Yeah. yeah. No, I, it's, it's... In, in all honesty, I do think rules are very dangerous. Yep. Um, it changes the way that we behave, it, the way we interact with each other. Um, and more often than not, they are based around fears uh, that are lies, that, you know, literally things that are just utter nonsense uh, rather than... Uh, rather than having the freedom to 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 explore and do things graciously, yeah, um, there is the argument is always if you don't have rules, you have chaos, and and I think that's that's utterly untrue. Uh, you only have chaos when you have uh, nothing at all in 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 play. Uh, but uh, and without wanting to sound overly airy fairy, uh, if you have a, a solid notion of of love, grace, etc then you don't need rules because no. i you know if I, if i have love for my fellow fellow man and women then i'm not going to do anything that is uh going to harm them purposefully i'm i'm going to i'm going to be cautious and careful and sensitive um and understanding and loving and kind aren't i yeah uh, i don't need a rule that tells me i have to do x y and z and it becomes it becomes a pointless thing because you know you create a rule you've now got to create another 50 rules to uh, ring fence the first one uh, and to give the first one meaning and and you know the analogy i i use is the meeting time analogy yeah if we agree that we will meet at 11 o'clock on a given day at a given place that is a practicality based essentially on love the idea that we want to see each other we want to talk to each other we want to meet up yeah, we, we, we're going to have this understanding. Mm. Uh, if, if that is the level of this agreement, then at five past 11 and you're not there yet, I am concerned for your well-being. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to hold off a little longer um, till Howard gets there. You know, we're going to try and call Howard. We're going to make sure he's all right. We're going to maybe send out a search party for Howard just in case something's happened. Yeah, if 11 o'clock is a rule, then at one minute past 11, he's late. And that utterly alters the dynamic and the way that we think and the way that we act and the way that we behave. And now, in turn, through that experience of fear, you're now fearful about being late. You're, you know, because you know that if you're late, you'll be scorned by the people uh, at the meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, so everything about this dynamic on both sides is changed enormously once we start to impose rules and regulations. And very quickly, the rules themselves become more important than the intent in which that, that they had in the first place. Uh, and so the problem grows and grows. Um, and what I would encourage all hypnotherapists, all hypnotists, all performers to do is to start to question and challenge the rules uh, particularly the ones in their own heads about themselves, because most, if not all of them, will be lies, and they will stop you from actually having the freedom to do and to experience and to grow and to help other people change as well. Um, and if you are an agent of change, um, then 
one of the rules that you have to get rid of is I'm right. Yeah. Because actually that's a problem straight away. You know, um, I, I believe in what I believe in today. It is not what I believed yesterday and it will not be what I believe tomorrow. I, I, I love that. And I think it's, it's, uh, just such a nice piece, um, to, to leave in people's minds. J- James, I, I've really enjoyed today. And if people want to get in touch with you, they want to find out more, they want to see some of the, the, the services, the products, uh, that, that you can, uh, that are out there so that they can learn more from you. Where can they go? How can they get in touch? Uh, easiest way to get in touch with me would be via um, the, the company website, which is power.academy. It's P-O-W-A, so www. or World Wide Web, because it's shorter. academy. so power.academy. Um, and you can find me, I mean, you know, the truth is if you just put James Brown and then add either magician pickpocket or hypnotist into Google. You'll find me. If you don't add those, you'll find a dead soul singer. You're uh, not. You're not him. No, 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 okay. no. I'm very, very much alive, and I, I can't dance or, or, or sing. Okay. Uh, but never mind. One day I know. might fill up the Apollo. Um, well, well, we will put the links on the uh, underneath your episode on the RapidChange.Works website, and. Um, just that the, the final thought really is this when you we discussed you coming on the podcast uh and you know the podcast is uh on the theme of rapid change is there anything that you thought would come up that we just haven't asked i haven't asked directly but might be useful to share um no <laughs> i'm trying to think if there's anything that that's leapt leapt to mind uh i mean no pressure but normally this is where most people come out with the most amazing stuff because it's yeah, not directed, no, but, but no pressure. But you know, I'm I'm not a, a therapist, okay. so um, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> um, uh, actually, there is one thing I would like to end with saying, and I kind of have already said it, but I just want to reaffirm this as well. And that is, um, you know, these are li- literally everything I've said is just my thoughts and my opinion. Uh, it's not gospel truth. Uh, it uh, it won't stand up uh, to rigorous testing if you want it to fall down. Uh, there'll be some of you who've heard what I've said who'll who'll be in you know who'll be excited by what you've heard me say, and there will probably be some of you that uh, are utterly disgusted and how dare you say these things and you know you're so wrong and da da da, and um, that's fine. I have no objection uh, to you disagreeing with what I say uh, at all. Uh, if you feel the need to write me a lengthy letter to explain exactly how I'm wrong, um, I mean by all means do vent your frustration in that direction and in that way. Uh, but when I don't reply to you, it's because I, I have filed it under bin. Well, there is underneath the rapid change that works uh, on, on, on the, the page where your episode will be hosted. There is also a uh, space for people to write comments underneath. So I'm sure if people have, you know, some interesting ideas, comments or things that they wanted to share, uh, if they leave it there, I'm sure I'm going to be able to persuade James to come back and uh, yeah, yeah. You know, have, have a look at interact. I will, yes. I will read them um, because actually um, uh, I, we all learn when we're challenged with things. And if we if we surround ourselves with people who simply agree with our point of view, then uh, well, what a waste of life that would be. So I am happy to hear your thoughts and your comments. Just my, my only request is this, and that is uh, try to avoid being dogmatic.
Yeah, because I'm willing to admit that what I what I believe might not be accurate, and it certainly will change over time. Uh, the only thing that I struggle with is uh, when somebody is so dogmatic about their point of view, um, then I'm less inclined to listen. But if you're wanting to share and grow and challenge, then I would be utterly delighted to have those uh, discussions and those debates. It's fantastic. Very well thank you so much for joining us today james it's uh, i've had so much fun uh connecting with you uh and chatting with you today and i hope the listeners um even all, th- all three of them now uh will find it as useful as i have <laughs> wonderful thank you very much i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to itunes to give us a glowing review You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapidchangematters hyphen podcast. And, of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those upcoming live events that will help you hone those change work skills.